I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... We want people, everybody, tacos for everyone. We want everyone eating more vegetables. So we're creating a vehicle in a hand-griddled corn tortilla for you to get your veggies in. You think everybody is excited about bringing manufacturing back into Maryland or America, and we're employing people and they're manufacturing jobs that are high paying, and and look at us go, and everyone's like, um, do you do cybersecurity? And you're like, "Eh, no, no, we're salad dressing. We make salad dressing. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. And one of the great things about this show is that sometimes after you finish a conversation with a guest, you go, you know what? I wish they'd been in the room with and then fill in the name of another guest because we have a great panoply and a wide variety of conversations here on What's Working in Washington. Today, we're going to show you two of those. Bettina Stern, the CEO and founder of Chaya a vegetable taco and farm-to-table fresh food company that's a real success story here in the district, and Greg Vitter, Mr. Energy himself, who started a salad dressing company called Tessa May out of of plastic urns that he took from door to door, and it's a real big company and high growth right now. So here are two very different perspectives on what it means to start a food company, different types of food, different types of customers, different types of scaling, different types of financing, but how they both have the same goal, getting fresh, delicious food in your mouth. It's a tough market, but these are two amazing success stories. So again, Bettina Stern, CEO and founder of Chaya, and Greg Vitter, energetic founder and CEO of Tessame Salad Dressing. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Mark. It's so great the, to be here. The easy first question is sort of the origin story. You and your partner founded this entity when? So Suzanne and I have been cooking. Suzanne Simon is my business partner, and we've been friends for a long time. We had an idea to basically take hand-griddled corn tortillas and fill them with deliciously perfectly cooked local seasonal vegetables. We made it into a startup kitchen competition. We presented this idea to eight different judges and the founders of the Fresh Farm Market, which is the largest farm market here in Washington, D.C., came up and said, this is such a fabulous idea. You're sourcing all this produce from our growers. Which market do you want? So we chose a market that was not your typical farmers weekend farmer's market or nighttime farmer's market. It was a lunchtime market. Mm-hmm. It's Every Thursday by the White House, it was 2013. We found ourselves as one of the original members of the first incubator kitchen here in D.C., Union, Union Kitchen. Of course. Pick of, pick of our table, best spot in the refrigerator for our goods, right next to the stove, right next to the ovens. Primo. Primo spot. Yeah. And one month later, we showed up to the White House Farmer's Market with a couple of folding tables, a 10-by-10-foot 10 tent, some uh, propane burners and some cast iron pots, and we filled them with three different seasonal vegetable fillings. So we had a creamy kale and potato, we had a braised mushroom, and we had a roasted butternut squash. Stop. We showed up with enough food for 50 people on that May 3rd day, 2013, and in an hour and a half, we'd sold out. Just Fabulous. the two of us in the tent. Yeah. So the next week, we brought back a friend to handle cash because that was something I was doing with one hand while passing tortillas along to Suzanne. 
And within six weeks' time of that first market, we had womaned and manned up our tent with eight employees. We were written up in the Washington Post, and we, by the end of that market season, of that three-hour market, we were selling 300-plus taco trios Wow! on a Thursday afternoon. We wanted a farm market that wasn't your typical farmer's market where you're supplying your, you know, you've got $100 in your pocket to, to burn. No, we wanted to feed hungry people, and we wanted a diverse market of longtime bureau- Washington bureaucrats to f- the chefs at the White House to white shoe lawyers, foreigners walking by, young, old, black, white, male, female. We really wanted to test this this rather esoteric idea of putting only vegetables cooked to perfection, paired with tangy cheeses and house-made salsas, and the lines were outrageous. People would wait for over a half an hour to to, so, to get so their trio. Is, so why only vegetables? Are you a vegetarian? Was your partner a vegetarian? What was the, What's the status of that? So I am not a, a vegetarian. I eat a plant-powered diet. I eat mostly plants. I try to fill my diet with mostly plants. Okay. Um, but I have not gone vegetarian. Suzanne is a vegetarian. The goal is really to get people to eat more vegetables. Vegetables yeah. are super delicious. Yep. I often call them the most luxurious item on the plate because they actually take the most work to deal with. Mm. You know, you got to grow them for a long time, then you got to then you got to wash them, then you got to peel them, then you got to chop them, then you've got to figure out what's the best way to yeah. season them, what salsa, you know, what what's going to complement right. their flavors. It's it ain't not a hamburger. Yeah. It's not a hamburger where you add a little salt and pepper cooking and throw on some heat. And you've got a delicious food. You've got to work. You've got to work harder for vegetables. And so we want people, everybody, tacos for everyone. We want everyone eating more vegetables. So we're creating a vehicle in a hand griddled corn tortilla for you to get your veggies in. Before we get to your actual brick and mortar facilities, hand griddled corn tortilla. Forgive me for asking, but is hand griddled? It's a feature you've mentioned. Is that an it's an important feature? It is. So Why? because both Suzanne and I have spent a lot of time in Mexico, and we love Mexican cuisine, high and low, street food to the finest restaurants. But the thing that makes Mexican food so wonderful is masa. And there, it's used in so many different dishes in the country. So masa is basically corn flour and water. Mm. It's a dough. We add some extra virgin olive oil, which is one of the you know ingredients. We add some uh, kosher salt to add some flavor. And we make a big dough in a bowl. And then we roll bolitos about the size of a golf ball. Then they are hand-pressed with a little $10 cast iron hand press and thrown onto a comal, which is a round plancha or round griddle, yeah. and cooked both sides. And you've got a hot, steaming, yummy, delicious tortilla and so this is a great old, vehicle. This is not the old El Paso that I buy in the Giant, clearly. The, the, the amount of time, so the freshness and the taste is way different. It's way different. Yeah. It's, yes, it's Beautiful. way different. This is, this is great. So, so the tent, clearly day one, 50 people, bing, done. Then hundreds, lines, people waiting. When did you decide, and bluntly how, if I may ask, how did you amass the capital or the capacity to rent and get into the actual restaurant business. So the last market of 2013 was October 31st, and everybody in the tent dressed up, of course. That very same day, the Washington Post named us one of the top nine tastemakers in D.C. All right. So we were trying to create a business, and we realized we had something that had legs. 
We asked Fresh Farm if we could go into the winter market at, at um, DuPont Circle and whether we could cook throughout the whole year. We wanted to be able to source vegetables all year long. Okay, we added eggs on Sunday mornings at the DuPont Circle Market to equal the amount of success. So we started to write a business plan. And in September of 2014, we took our food up to New York. At the time, I had, a, uh, I had an apartment in New York. And we invited a group of potential investors who happened to be in the private equity world. Mm-hmm. We recreated a meal in my, in my little apartment. And we talked for probably three hours. And by the end of that meal... These folks said, we want in. We're in. We're in. And we had drawn up a, a memorandum with our lawyer. Yeah. Initially, we were just going to do friends and family. We, we realized we had a concept. It was the right time. We were riding that wave. We had caught the crest. We weren't too early. We weren't too late for this plant-powered, yeah. plant-forward movement. Initially, we were just going to take friends and family money. And then we met these investors, and we went back to our lawyer, and we said, we're actually going to bring in some strategic Let's investors. Add a zero to that number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to bring in some some strategic investors that actually have the experience to help us do this. And mm-hmm. he said, "Oh my gosh, they're going to want a part of your whole your whole concept." And we said, "That's fine. That's the way we're going to grow." November 2015, we opened up our first brick and mortar in a little standalone building in Georgetown. We there's nothing on either side of us. On a one-way street, going the wrong way, gambrel roof, imagine a barn, the whole thing. And we, we did very little to change its originality. So we opened up there in November 2015 and hit it out of the park. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But where are we today? Like, what? Are, give me some numbers. You're in three bricks-and-mortar facilities, one in Georgetown you mentioned, two more. How quickly did the second and third start after you got the first one in Georgetown? 2019, we opened up our second location between 6th and 7th on I Street. It's a larger, very beautiful space. When did the That's third hit? The third we just opened in September, late okay. September. So fifth, late 15. In Bethesda. Give me some volume. Like, what's a typical day? In the last number of years, we've sold over three and a half million There you go. Tacos. A lot of tacos. We took a hit in the pandemic with students gone, Yeah, but we pivoted right away, of course, because we're an elevated fast casual. So we were, our model of food was given to you in a compostable to-go box. Yep. But because we're two women running a business, the whole focus has been on hospitality. So we invite you to stay, even though the food that we're giving you is in in a compostable to-go box. And what are um, the price points? Like, what, what what would be a typical meal, a dinner, if I took my spouse out for a lovely evening? So we've gone back to our farm market pricing on a taco trio. So a taco trio is $11. Wow. So three stores. Let's go future. So the goal is to keep growing. Keep growing. The East Coast, what's So the next step for us is to open something, one or two up in Northern Virginia. We would like to get to probably five or six stores in this region so that we can then look beyond this region. Yeah. We needed to learn how to scale, how to transport, how to move and distribute our own stuff throughout our different shops. What is it about the D.C. region that you think has helped your success? Yeah, this has been a, a, it's a very friendly market to do things in. It's less competitive feeling. In fact, our competitors 
I really consider them friendly competitors and friends and even mentors. Wow. So I will call the CEO of Kava if I have a question or my pals at Shook or Little Sesame. We try to partner up with local businesses, and it's it's an environment that works really well together. You, it's you and your partner. Have you hired a bunch of staff? Who, who manages these types of details for you, and how does scale happen in your business? And I'm sure there's some fits and starts. What are some lessons learned for scale that you're seeing or have experienced? Well, honestly, the learning curve doing Chaya over these last number of years has been very steep. We've had to learn at every corner, every turn. Bettina Stern, thanks for being with us here Thank today. Thank you. Yeah, Bettina Stern from Chaya, co-founder, co-CEO of Chaya. That's Chaya Tacos, C-H-A-I-A, tacos.com. Check it out and be sure to visit one of the brick-and-mortar facilities that Chaya has here in the Washington, D.C. area. Coming up after the break, we'll hear from Greg Vitter, the founder and CEO of Tessame Salad Dressing. Stay with us. You think everybody is excited about bringing manufacturing back into Maryland or America, and we're employing people and their manufacturing jobs that are high paying, and, and look at us go, yeah. and everyone's like, um, do you do cybersecurity? And you're yeah. like, uh, no, no, we're salad dressing. We make salad dressing. Every week on What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a DC insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. Many of our guests have come to us from others who say, Hey, if your show's about people who are really getting things done in the region, you should really be talking to dot, dot, dot. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. So 2009, what was the aha moment that you and your brothers, perhaps a family affair, uh, said, you know, there's a need for better salad dressing? A neighbor actually broke into my house and stole the salad dressing that my mom had made for me. True story? This is a true story. So every day I was playing professional lacrosse and I was selling insurance and I didn't want to do that anymore. And so I would go home for lunch and I would stand on my head and I would try and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I came home to make a salad, and this two-liter bottle of salad dressing was missing. And I called all my neighbors, and I finally tracked down uh, the culprit, and he had broken into my house, taken the salad dressing. I told him to bring it back, and then I also had this kind of weird moment where I looked back on 
the years and years and the tailgates and tailgates of this salad dressing, and it never got old. No one could ever make it properly. It We used it on everything. It was the talk of the town. And I was like, I'm going to quit my job and start a salad dressing company. Wow. Yeah. So mom's original recipe. Lemon garlic. Wow. Yeah. And it goes on everything. You put it on sandwiches. You put it on everything. dip chips, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yep. Beer. Marinade. No. Yep. Yeah. Take a shot of it. It's good for your skin. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then I call my mom. I'm like, hey, I'm going to take your dressing and I'm going to start a business. And I'm going to get into Whole Foods. Global. And she was like, that's never going to work. Okay. And I go, I didn't ask you if it was going to work, <laughs> but I am going to need the recipe. Yeah. So then I called my brothers and I told them the same thing. And they go, well, you know, get it started. And if it takes off, we'll help. Uh, they were still, you know, in college, graduating, doing their deal, new to the world. Uh, and so that's what I did. I just, I figured out a way to get a meeting and I walked into Whole Foods with a Tupperware container of romaine lettuce. And I told him I was a world famous food manufacturer and they had to try this dressing. And the guy looked Come at on. me. Come on. I swear. Wow. And the guy looked at me like I was on drugs. And did you make a salad and, and give it for them to taste? I did. He did not eat the lettuce. He licked the dressing off. And he said I had something really special. I made him call the regional office and set me up a meeting. And so same thing. We were a little bit more formal for the next meeting. And then they gave me 200 pages of paperwork to, to fill out. because oh, for if, a vendor relationship or whatever? All yeah. of it. But, like, what's your food safety protocol? What's your HACCP plan? Give me your food manufacturing license right. and the audits. And, yeah. and so I just started Googling, what is a HACCP plan? Yeah. How do I actually become a food manufacturer? What's a certified kitchen? Yeah. And uh, I filled it all out. And then we got a shot. Uh, to do a demo at the grand opening of the new Annapolis Whole Foods, May 1st, 2009. With like a table or a booth or something? Ta in this table with the local lettuce company and me standing behind it, handing out samples. And uh, we ended up setting a national sales record with Whole Foods. We sold about 650 bottles of that dressing in that store in five days. Wow. Uh, which they had told us we were only going to need four cases for the month. So there was a lot of all-nighters hand-making salad dressing, and uh, here we are. And then they expanded. They did a bunch of kind of big store tests in Ohio, uh, which are, you know, four times the size. There's a giant uh, Whole Foods in Fair Lakes, Virginia. How many brands does Tessie Mays now make? Probably... 20 different varieties of dressing, whether it's refrigerated dressings or shelf-stable dressings. All bottled? All bottled. We have dips as well. Uh -huh. We have one-and-a-half-ounce packets that go into all of the Sam's Club salads. Yep. So we make all of the salads for Sam's Club in North America. You're still a private company. We have a lot of investors, but we are private. And are those investors, were they originally friends of the family? Did you take venture capital, professional investors, all the above? Really, it's been a mix of friends and family. Uh, I guess our first kind of professional investor was Kevin Plank from Under Armour's home office, Sagamore Ventures. Uh, they gave us $5 million bucks, And then we've had, uh, you know, some, as we've grown, we've had larger and larger groups kind of start putting money in, in groups, but we have not officially gone in that, you know, private equity world or, or venture world. Now you have a foundation that has a larger sort of 
uh, aspirational goal of nutrition and stuff like that. Yes. Has that been always a core element of your of your entity? Well, I think nutrition always has. We invented clean manufacturing. Uh, the quality of the product was really, really important. Nobody was making salad dressing without thickening agents and preservative, citric acid, natural flavors, yeah. quote unquote. Quote unquote, yeah. And, um, and so we just, we knew we if we were going to succeed, we had to make it the way that people loved it. And so what that meant was we had to start our own manufacturing plant. We basically had to invent a new process to make salad dressing without thickening agents. That took a lot of interesting ingenuity, I guess you could say, or industriousness. How do you make salad dressing shelf-stable without a lot of bad crap in it? It's all about pH. What is that? It, so, pH balance? Like, yeah. like acid? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it's so about, I'm going to use that at a cocktail party. Where somebody <laughs> say about the world peace. You know, it's all about pH. Well, it's true. Okay. Health's about pH. Yeah. You know, shelf stable dressings about pH. Everything. Everything. You know, you got yeah. the right pH levels. You're, you're all good. You're getting it done. Yeah. It means it can sit on a shelf unrefrigerated. So we have for a, how how long? A year until you open it. Okay. Right. Wow. So it's amazing. You have a we have a refrigerated dressing line still, yeah. which is the original formulas. And then Walmart came to us and said, hey, we were doing this uh, massive company conference, and it was about disruptive brands, and you were the case study. And so they basically said, you know, everybody go out and find the Tessie Mays of refrigerated dressing for your categories. And so the shelf-stable buyer called us and said, well, why don't you just make shelf-stable dressing? And I said, well, we don't know how to do that. And they said, well, why don't you figure it out? And so then our... Uh, <laughs> they said, why don't you figure it yeah. out? They had no other... Okay, that's not really helpful, but okay. <laughs> and so then our head of product development, Chef Kristen Tatami, you know, we called her and we said, hey, we're going we're gonna to make uh, shelf-stable dressing right now. And she, you know, goes through her normal creative process, which is give us the middle finger and tell us it's not going to happen. And oh, then, chefs and always then, act and like that. And then the next day, she was like, I think I figured it out. Christian Tatami is her name? Yeah, Kristen Tatami. She's been with us forever. So brands that represent freshness and sort of um, iliomocenary or aspirational kind of helping uh, society get better include mm-hmm. names like Paul Newman and Seth Goldman and stuff like that. Yep. It seems like your firm is really in, in the line of that kind of behavior. Yes. I think we can begin to, you know, solve problems, which whether it's obesity or whether it's, you know, a lack of fresh food in these areas known as food deserts, one at a time. Let's get back to the label of this show right here. What's working in Washington? So the DMV, you're from the area. You went to college in Washington College, down there, the bucolic Washington College on the Eastern Shore. (laughs) What's your sense of this region? How has it been good for you starting a business? Elements of the taxation, other kinds of support, legal support. What's that experience been like? It has been interesting. Uh, we aha uh-huh. <laughs> never it's not not a hundred percent positive. Well, I think nothing it's one, is. Well, I think it's one of these things where there's not that many food manufacturing startups in this area. Got it. Real estate is really expensive. The workforce is basically, I don't want to say taken, but Amazon currently, you know, takes a lot of yeah. the hourly workforce. And so then that obviously uh, it's good for them because they're, they're making better rates and insurance and all the other stuff than uh, some of the smaller brands. But it, it's been kind of an interesting thing where you, 
you think everybody is excited about bringing manufacturing back into Maryland or America and we're employing people and they're manufacturing jobs that are high paying and sounds great. And look at us go. Yeah. And everyone's like, um, do you do cybersecurity? And you're yeah. like, eh, no, no, we're salad dressing. We make salad dressing. They're like, yeah. what about a vineyard? Are you guys a vineyard? <laughs> no, it guys, I'm, it's salad dressing. And they're like, Hmm. Yeah. We're not really interested. Okay. And so it's just one of those things where, well, how, how have you plowed through that? What, what are, what are some, well, what are some just, walls you've, you, you've driven through? You just don't I, – I think so often there's this misconception that people are just waiting to help. And yeah. all you got to do is just – Ask. Hey, look yes. at me. You know, come on, help me. Give me money. And it's one of those things where if you just kind of plow forward and you don't look for help, you're going you're gonna to get it done. Well, let's talk a little bit about the foundation and some of the larger elements of you and your family's commitment – to nutrition and, and quality ingredients. We mentioned food deserts. Yep. In our time remaining, Greg, tell us what food desert means to you. What are some things that you and the foundation are doing about that? Yeah, well, it's uh, there are areas that don't have access to fresh food. And so when you look at cities, you know, like Baltimore, D.C., there's these giant chunks that don't have access to grocery stores or restaurants that are actually selling fresh food, which is insane to think about. Yep. And so... What we initially were trying to do was we were trying to partner with people, you know, to kind of put a platform together, like let's end food deserts. And everybody likes to talk about it and nobody likes to do anything. Yep. And so what we said, well, we're just going to go do it, right? We're going to reach out to a bunch of produce partners that we know. We're going to go into our first one ever was in Compton. And we go, we're going to go into Compton. We're going to bring in produce. We're going to have this community event. We're going to bring in all of the community groups and leaders of the community and nonprofits. And then we are going to bring in chefs and celebrities and we're going to make, you know, eating clean, fresh, healthy food, not only accessible, we're going to give them bags of groceries and we're going to do some cooking classes, make it cool. And we're going to make it cool. Right. And again, we just did it and it worked and it was really cool. And so we go, all right, well, let's do this in more cities. And so we started doing them. Uh, we did it in Englewood in uh, Chicago. And then we went into Baltimore. And then basically, you know, COVID happened and everything got locked down. And so we haven't really done much. Well, we didn't touch on COVID because I didn't want you to get depressed and I didn't want to get depressed because <laughs> your story is so motivational. But Greg Vetter, founder, co-founder and CEO of Tessie Mays Salad Dressing, is our guest today on What's Working in Washington. Greg, thank you for being with us. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. And I hope that our show continues to give you some enlightenment, some information, some actionable intelligence, and hopefully some enthusiasm about what works in Washington, D.C. So once again, thanks for listening. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by The Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.